conversations we're going to have that I'm going to pack. Four conversations are, you know, today, grow like Jesus. Next week, these three things. Following that, what does it matter? And the final message is, redeem the time. And I have a confession. I want to tell you how this series came about. Uh, basically, on a recent road trip to Atlanta uh, to support a brother who had just lost his 29-year-old son unexpectedly, I, I, I spent a lot of time you know, asking God you know, what he wanted me to hear and what he wanted me to learn and what he wanted me to do so that my 2019 could be different. And these four conversations, you know, through listening to worship music and podcasts and just praying and meditating were pretty much God's answer. So the series, I can just come ask, first and foremost, it's for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching to myself and, and you get to come along and listen, but I want to know what God wants to say to me that'll make this year different. Maple Grove, this year can be different. And you know, when the, when the ball dropped in Times Square, when the peach dropped in Atlanta, when the huge chunk of cheese dropped in Plymouth, Wisconsin, when the pickle dropped in Mount Olive, North Carolina, when the massive potato dropped in Boise, Idaho, when the guitar dropped in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee and when the 400-pound giant peep dropped in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and when those things dropped and millions of people cheered and celebrated, isn't that what they're really hoping for, right, that this year would be better that this year would be different. I mean, I don't think anybody out there was shouting, lousy new year, miserable new year, right? No, they were all wanting the year to be different. Now, now, now what do people do every year in hopes of making the new year better, different? They make New Year's resolutions. Ever made one? Now, the tradition of New Year's resolutions goes all the way back to 153 B.C., uh, when Janus, the mythical god of early Rome, Janus was placed at the head of the calendar. He, he, Janus was a god of beginnings and transitions, and he presided over passages and doors and gates and endings, as well as in transitional periods, such as from war to peace. And he's usually depicted as having two faces, one face looking back at past events and one face looking towards the future. And over time, Janus became the symbol of resolutions. Now, some think that making New Year's resolutions goes back even further, uh, 4,000 years to the year 2000 BC in Babylon. You see, the Babylonians celebrated New Year at the beginning of spring in March with an 11-day festival. And like today, the Babylonians thought New Year is a time of reflection of the past year and looking forward to the future. Now, whatever the history, we all know that January the 1st, is a time that many people make New Year's resolutions. In fact, 60% of Americans make them. However, only 8% of us are successful in achieving them. Here are some facts about New Year's resolutions. Saving money is always in the top 10 resolutions made, and top five made, and the top five where you failed. Um, over 80% of respondents said that they fail on their resolutions before January the 31st. Women tend to make health-related resolutions while men pledge to find a new job and to lay off alcohol. And so according to, I feel like I'm doing match game, 
according to a recent survey, uh, here's the top resolution for the year 2019, beginning at number 10. Number 10 was spend more time with family and friends. 13% make that surveyed. Uh, number nine, drink less alcohol. 15% make that one. Number eight, find another job. 16%. Number seven, read more. 17% of people make that surveyed. Number six, quit smoking. 21%. I don't know that many people still smoked. Um, number five, uh, learn a, a new skill or hobby. 26% of those surveyed answered that. Number four, save more and spend less, 32%. Number three was to, to lose weight, 54%, make that one. Number two was to exercise more, 65%. And the number one answer, 71% made it, was to, what do you think? Diet and eat healthier. So were any of yours on the list? And again, statistics indicate that Actually, 25% make it a week, right? <laughs> By the end of the month, only 80%. And only eight out of every hundred actually keep them. Uh, there is an old Irish toast that says, may your trouble in the coming year be as short as your New Year's resolution. <laughs> uh, but listen, even though 92% fail in keeping them, people still keep making them. Why is that? I think because there's something in us that looks forward to new beginnings. I think there's something in us that desires something better. Because I think there's something in us. I think most of us know that things in our life are not as they should be or as they could be. Maple Grove this year can be different. And I got to tell you something else that I felt as God tell me as I was driving to Atlanta on the 28th of December, as the miles clicked off between Charlottesville and ATL, I felt God telling me that, you know what, the days of your life, they're clicking off too. And that if you want things to be different, you can't keep kicking the can down the road. And wait for another year, Steve, because time is running out. It, and it really is. Check this out. If you're an average American, using a clock as an illustration for how many years you have left in life, let's say it's 12 a.m. when you're born, you live 80 years, okay? Here's what time it is for you. You take your age, divide by 3.33. If you're 16, it's 4.48 a.m., if you're 18, it's 5.24 a.m. If you're 21, it's 6.18 a.m. If you're 30, it's 9 a.m. If you're 40, you're halfway there, right? It's 12 p.m. If you're 50, it's 3 p.m. If you're 60, it's 6 p.m. If you're 65, it's 7.30 p.m. If you're 70, it's 9 p.m. If you're 80, you're in overtime, right? According to statistics, you're still here. Praise God, you're still here. And, and, and here, here's two quick points. Whatever it is that you're going to do with your life, you best get moving because time is running out. Scripture says this, James 4. While you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The psalmist talked about the brevity of life several times. 
Psalmist writes, my days disappear like smoke. Psalm 102, verse 3. Psalm 144, verse 3. For we are like a breath of air. Our days are like a passing shadow. Job said it like this. My days are running out quicker than the thread of a fast-moving needle. My life is just a breath. Wouldn't you agree with me that life is, is unspeakably precious and unbelievably short? I mean, the needle of our lives just keeps moving faster and faster and faster. And the truth is, we don't know when our time on earth will be up. It could be next week, it could be next year, it could be decades away. Only God knows. Now, now David understood this time is running out thing. And that's why he wrote these words in Psalm 39. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. See, see, David knew that God was in control, that, that only God knew how, how much time he had left. And, and, and as I try to read between the lines of David's prayer, I, I almost hear him saying, Lord, please continually show me and constantly remind me of how quick and how fleeting my life really is because I don't want to waste it focusing on things that in the scope of forever don't really matter. Things like being consumed by what other people think of me. Or getting angry with someone and stewing over it for years and years. Or, or, or things like just living in a constant state of anxiety about something. Or, or letting fear or, or doubt or, or lust limit or control us. Or, or walking through life with the, the blinders of negativity and cynicism on that, that we fail to see the beauty and wonder that God surrounds us with every single day. Again, whatever it is that you're going to do with your life, you best get moving because time is running out. But hey, if you're in this room today, there's still time, right? Uh, praise God, right? I don't know if you ever do that. Sometimes I wake up and praise God, I got another day because I really screwed up bad the, the day before. It's like, wow, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not taking me yesterday. Thank you for giving an opportunity to, to, get it, to get it right. Number two, if you're not doing something significant with your life, if you're not living the life that God created you to live, then it doesn't really matter how much time you have left. Because so let me ask you, how many of you in this room would like 2019 to be different, to be better? If you would, stand up. If you want to be better. If you want to be lousy, remain seated. Okay? Now... Yeah, I want you to give at least three people a high five, look in the eyes, and tell them this year can be different. Thank you. This year can be different. You didn't say it. You said, good job. You know, God brings us life in bite-sized pieces and hours and days. And I think that's one of the reasons that God divided the days to begin with, right? That he created day and night so that, you know, every day, right, ends and it gets dark. But every day the sun comes up, right, and a new day begins. It's like every day God gives us a chance to, to reset. And every year God says, okay, it's time to wipe the slate clean. It's time to start over with a brand new year. This year can be different. 
And today, January 6, 2019, I think it would be good, good and wise to take God's advice given through the prophet Isaiah. Forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm going to start from the beginning again. Because I think some of you need to really hear, especially the first part. Forget the formal things. Do not dwell on the past. Turn to the person to your right and left and tell them, do not dwell on the past. <laughs> See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You know, I am making a way. That's the good news, right? We don't have to make a way. God is making a way in the wilderness. Maybe that's where you fill your yard this morning. And streams in the wasteland. Now this morning, I, I, I want to talk about how to make the new year different in a conversation called Grow Like Jesus. And the first thing you need to do to make this year different is you need to clarify what you want. You got to decide what is important in your life. You see, God is giving us an incredible gift. It's the gift of the freedom to choose. It's part of being made in God's image. I mean, we see this in, in the very beginning in the garden with Adam and Eve. In fact, one of the most spiritual activities we will ever engage in is the power to choose. You see, before we pray, worship, serve, celebrate, give, forgive, share, sin, or turn away from sin, before any of those actions come to pass, you have to choose. Job said it like this. We can choose the sounds we want to listen to. Hey, confession time. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's kind of scary. You know, driving down the road, trying to loosen my load. No, that's a different thing. <laughs> Little eagles, sorry. Uh, but driving down the road to Atlanta, right, you know, you don't get, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and, 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 and worship music and clicking on channels and you can't, and some classic rock stations. And I began to listen to something and actually enjoy it. And now I got one of the channels preset on my radio in my car. Country music. <laughs> Before you know it, I'm going to start liking cats, and I'm really <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we could choose the sounds we want to li listen to. We can choose the taste we want in food. We can choose to follow what is right, but first of all, we must define what is good. In other words, we've got to clarify what we want. And once we clarify what we want, that becomes the foundation. It becomes like the internal operating system for the choices that you and I are going to make. But we can't choose what's important until we clarify what's important. And if we don't clarify what's important, right, and what really matters, we're going to be blown and tossed by the circumstances of life, right? And then before you know it, 2019, it's gone, right? And you're left feeling like, hey, did I, I didn't get anything done. And I'm still kind of stuck in the same old place. A few years ago, George Gallup did a survey and discovered that the number one stress factor among people today, it's, it's not that they don't have enough time, it's not that they don't have enough money, it's not even that they have relational conflict. He discovered that the number one factor of stress in people is something called incongruent values. In other words, we say we believe one thing, but we act in a very different way. And this gap, between what we say is important in life and how we're actually living causes stress. For example, we say family is important to me. But do we put work and everything else ahead of it? 
Do we give our marriage and our family the time and attention they deserve? We say health is important to me. But do we eat right? Do we exercise? Do we practice good health habits? We say that materialism is bad. But are we saving anything? Are we spending all we get? Do we give generously? Or are we simply, simply storing up our own treasure for our own kingdom? We say God is first in my life, but yet do we take the time to know him personally? To read our Bibles and to pray on a consistent basis? We say the church is important to me. But do we really give the church, this church, Maple Grove, if this is your home where you attend, do we really give the church the first fruits of our time, of our talents, of our energy and resources? See, most of us, if not all of us, have incongruent values to some degree. And listen, when, when you say, when what, listen, when what you say you believe does not match how you live, causes problems, it creates stress, it leads to inner turmoil, discouragement, and depression. And not only that, you end up at a destination you never intended to go. Remember, as we said for years around Maple Grove, for about eight years now, right? Direction, not intention, determines our destination. In other words, we always end up where the road we're on is taking us. Like if you intend to go to Rutgersville when you leave church today, but you take a left-hand turn at 29 and Prophet Road, guess where you're not going? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make it to Rutgersville. Andy Stanley in his book, The Principle of the Path, writes, my observation and experience for that matter indicates that humans have, have a propensity for choosing paths that do not lead in the direction they want to go. They come to believe the popular notion that as long as their intentions are good, as long as their heart are in the right place, whatever that means. As long as they do their best and try their hardest, it doesn't really matter which path they take. They believe somehow they will end up in a good place. But life doesn't work that way. Listen, if you want this year to be different, you have to clarify what you want. You need to clarify what is of ultimate importance in your life. You need to kind of discover, you know, like, what is your core? Yeah, what is your core? And and those of you involved in physical training, you know, it talks about the importance of your core, of your body, physically. The following is an article from Harvard Health. It says, think of your core muscles as a sturdy central link in a chain connecting your upper and lower body. Whether you're hitting a tennis ball or mopping the floor, the necessary motions either originate in your core or move through it. No matter where motion starts, it ripples upward and downward to adjoining links of the chain. Thus, weak or inflexible core muscles can impact how well your arms and legs function and that saps power from many of the moves you make. Properly building up your core cranks up the power. A strong core also enhances balance and stability. Thus, it can help prevent falls and injuries during sports or other activities. In fact, a strong, flexible core underpins almost everything you do. And, and listen, you know, spiritual training is of some value, but, I mean, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value in all things. And see, the same is true of our spiritual core. See, our, our, our values are, are, are like the core of an athlete. And a weak spiritual core impairs our functionality and it saps our power. On the other hand, a strong spiritual core 
cranks up the power. It enhances balance and stability so that we can be stable as we encounter the various difficult circumstances of life. A strong spiritual cult can prevent falls and injuries and underpins almost everything that we do. Core is so important. Here's how I define core. It's convictions we are willing to risk everything for. Anchor points that have the power to keep you grounded even in the midst of the most powerful storms. And so here's how it works. You know, first we define, here's, here's what I value, here's what's important, here's my core, and then we adjust our life, right, so that it aligns with what we say is important. And when we do that, our stress level goes down, our peace of mind goes up, and we actually wind up at the place we want to go. And when it comes to defining our values, we either get it from the world or, or from the word, from Christ or from culture. And here's the bottom line. It, if you want this year to be different, you have to, declare, you have to clarify what you want. And, and, and I want to challenge everybody to do something. And you know, some of you won't do it. But is this week, with a pen and paper, I put together this year can be different. Hashtag growing like Jesus, values and core survey. The front page has values. You take a pen and think and pray. And, and, and then there's, back has the goal, the goals that you put together you know, for the coming year. And, and the values ask some really good questions, I think. What do I value most? What is my central core? What type of person do I want to be? Right? Not what you want to achieve or accomplish. Right? Those are easy to answer, right? I want to accomplish this in my career. I want this type of degree. Now, what kind of person do you want to be? What adjectives would you like to describe yourself? And, and this one, what would I like people to say at my eulogy? And we all have one coming. Uh, this week I listened to a TED Talk by David Brooks, and I, I read a bunch of articles that posed this question, should you live for your resume before your eulogy. And man, there's a difference, right? I, I, I was at a eulogy recently. You've been to them. No, one's, no one brings out a resume. They got this degree from this great, awesome college. They achieved these awesome things. They went to this company and had all this great success. They don't, that's not what they read, right? They, they talk about this person cared for other people. This person was kind. You know, I've never seen anyone at a eulogy say, hey, I need to read his investment portfolio. You'll be very impressed at how wise he invested his money. Never, right? And so, but, but, but here, here's the deal for all of us, right? Even though we know this, right? Here's a question posed by uh, um, Ariana Huffington, wrote a book called Thrive, and she posed this question. Have you noticed that when we die, our, our eulogies celebrate our lives very differently from the way society defines success, right? You know, and, and so the thing is, you know, we should begin living our life. It doesn't mean that, that doing, being successful in your career and all that stuff doesn't matter, but it's not of ultimate importance, right? What is important is how you treat people and the, the lives that you touch. Even at a eulogy, when people talk about the person they work with, they usually don't talk about all the successes they had in their career. You know, hey, they invented this, man. Even Steve Jobs at his eulogy, they talked about how love was such a highest virtue in his life and, and with his family, right? You know, and, and so, so what, what I'm saying is, is that 
you and I be, need to begin thinking of, our, and one day when someone gives a eulogy at your service, what do you want them to say? What would you like the people that know you to say at your eulogy? Another question that you could uh, ask in this value survey is, does your life, now that you've lined these up, you know, does your life, how you use your time, efforts, energies, actions, and money reflect that these are what is important to you? Does the direction of your life, the things you're doing, the places you're heading match your core and your intentions, right? Again, eulogies, no one says that a eulogy, you know, you know, he was very proud that he missed many of his son's little league games because he had so much work at the office and he wanted to make sure it got done, right? No, no one says that, right? No, they would say like, hey, he gave up a job promotion because he needed to be home at a critical time when his children were growing up. And, and so just begin thinking, I don't know about you, when I heard that, I never thought about that before this week. You hear a lot of things when you drive a lot of miles. And I said, wow, you know, I, I want to live my life for a eulogy, not, not a resume. Um, six, what in your life is trivial? What's essential? And what should you hold on to? What should you let go of? And, and there's a question that'll come up on the screen, you know, and, and we don't have to answer it. You know, will you take the time to fill out your value survey? You know, yes or no? Will you take the time to do that this week? I, I hope and pray you do. Hope you write it down. Hope you pray about it. Hope you review it. I hope you share it with somebody. And then watch God unleash his supernatural power and finish the good work he began in you. Get it? Good. And our new one, remember? Want it? You know it. Me too. Okay. Want it? You know it. Me too. Want it? Me too. Okay, this year can be different if you clarify what you want and if you don't wait to begin. Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. It's a turning point in our life when we realize that life must be lived under imperfect conditions. Life must be lived under imperfect conditions. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And here's what usually happens, especially the first of the year, right? We hear someone talking about things like this, you know, a new year, a new beginning, new things, and we're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write some goals down. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to use my time wisely. I'm going to take some time to, to think through and work through some stuff so that the way I live out my life will have an eternal impact. However, those best intentions fade away because... For some of us, the moment we walk out that door, we get hit by something. L-I-F-E. Life. And before we blink our eyes, it's March or it's April. And we really haven't set any goals yet. And, and you know what's crazy to me? I do it too. Right? And if you're visiting, I am so messed up. And no amens, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and so I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking. And you're messed up too. That's why I love you all so much, right? Because we're, you know, we're messed up and we own it, right? But what's crazy is that people spend more time planning a vacation, a road trip, a dinner party, right? A wedding even, than they spend planning their life. That's insane. And we're trying to turn back that insanity a little bit so that this year can be different. And see, if you're a Christian, 
The overriding difference that God wants to make in your life is that you will become more like Jesus. Romans 8.29, we see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. So how did Jesus develop and grow? Well, there's a verse in Luke chapter 2. It actually covers, it spans 18 years. One verse in Luke chapter 2, from when Jesus is 12 to when Jesus is 30. It's Luke 2.52. We'll begin at Luke 2.51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, talk about his parents, and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now verse 32, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. And listen, if you want this year to be different, if you want to become more like Jesus, then you need to grow like Jesus. And Jesus grew in wisdom. You know, that's intellectual development. He grew in stature, physical development. He grew in favor with God, that's spiritual development. He grew in favor with man, that's relational development. And so what we want to do is we want to set some goals in each of these areas. You know, you, you probably heard of in, in, in a seminar somewhere about like setting SMART goals. You take the word SMART, the S stands for specific. The M is it's measurable. The A is it's attainable. The R is it's relevant. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and the T is it's time bound. And so I want to challenge you to this week to prayerfully set some goals in these areas. And don't leave off the prayerfully part. Prayerfully think about what should be some of your intellectual goals this year. God gave you a mind, it's a gift. He wants you to grow it, He wants you to keep learning. Uh, Do yourself a favor and learn all you can. Remember what you've learned and you'll prosper. And and so maybe your intellectual goal this year is you you say, you know what, I'm going to read a certain number of books by the end of the year. Maybe if you're in in school, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to make the honor roll or the dean's list. That's my intellectual goal. Uh, uh, Maybe your intellectual goal was, you know what, I'm going to take a class over at the college or online. Or maybe your goal is, you know what, this year I'm going to learn a new skill or I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn a new language. Or, or maybe your lecture goal is, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of that free thing. If you fill out your, if you don't have it yet, fill out your connection card, check right now media, right? I, got, I found this image this week. It's the, they, they call it the, the Netflix of Christian Bible study, right? You know, and, 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 and we all, um, a lot of us like to watch a lot of Netflix, right? We binge and watch the whole series and, you know, we don't take showers for three days or something, you know. Uh, and, and that's all fine and good. But maybe we can do some binging on, uh, on some good Christian teaching as well. Uh, the bottom line is, you know, by this time next year, you know, learn some new stuff. Stuff that God can use for his glory and you're good. Physical goals. Prayerfully consider physical goals. Jesus grew in stature. Sometimes we talk about physical goals. Some people think it's really not that spiritual. Uh, Paul said this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You're bought with the price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So you see, you have a choice. See, you have no choice, rather, but to sit up and take notice of this important responsibility of stewarding your body that God's blessed you with. 
Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Stature is defined as a quality of status gained by growth and development. And again, sometimes you talk about physical goals. Some people tune out and some people tune in and OD on it, right? (laughs) Because we're a nation of extremes, right? Either we worship the body or we neglect the body. And God would like us to land somewhere in the middle. Okay, so in 2019, make an effort to start setting some spiritual goals, physical goals rather. I mean, we're all different places, right? But maybe, maybe a physical goal for you would be, I, I want to walk 10,000 steps a day. I want to work out 20 minutes a day, three days a week. I want to lose 20 pounds by March the 1st. I want to increase my vegetable and fruit intake. <laughs> I'm not going to eat anything after 8 o'clock at night. I'm only going to drink sodas on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm only going to eat desserts on days that end in Y. <laughs> I, that's my goal. <laughs> I got, I'm going to work that sucker. <laughs> uh, next, perfectly set some spiritual goals. Jesus grew in favor with God. Uh, this morning, you know, I'm behind in reading our faith comes from hearing and I always like to be behind, especially when I got to read a psalm. And I read Psalm 118. And David, and I read that, and I said, I want your relationship with God, David. Listen to this. Psalm 118. Listen how many times he uses the word my. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God my mountain where I seek refuge. Where do you seek refuge, by the way? My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That's verses one and two. And then he talks about hard times and people hating on him, et cetera. Then he says this, the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me. And I love this part. Because he delights in me, right? I was like, I I, I want that. Man, I, I want what David has. You know what? God delights in me. He's my God, my rock, my mountain, right? So, so what can you do in the coming year to, to deepen your relationship with God? Maybe, so here's some spiritual goals, right? Just some ideas. Um, maybe it's to pursue humility. Like Chris challenged us last week. What an awesome message Chris shared. I, I love that statement when he said, when is the last time you made yourself Nothing, so you can make somebody else something. Wow, that would be a good spiritual goal, right? Practice humbling yourself. I I think another spiritual goal for you might be to join a life group, right? To join a life group. So you're doing life with other believers, right? And you're thinking, I don't need a life group. Well, guess what? Maybe they need you. (laughs) Yeah, because you're so awesome and everything. Maybe they need you in their life group to help them. And maybe a spiritual goal is, you know what? Unless I have a reason, not an excuse, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. And the Sundays that I miss, if I'm somewhere else, I'm at least going to listen to a podcast of some sermon somewhere or, or go to church where I'm vacationing, but I want to be in church every weekend. Uh, maybe Spirit's goal is that you're going to start having a regular time reading the Bible with God. If you don't know how to do that, you know, let me know. I'd love to help you. Maybe it's, hey, I'm going to start serving in church. 
You know, you know I, I just come and I sit, but you know what? I think I should give back. Maybe it's a start tithing. Maybe a, a spiritual goal for you would be that, that, that you're going to uh, turn away from a sinful attitude or behavior that you have that you just need to go. Here's one I think is, could be important. Spiritual goal could be maybe, and everybody needs to listen, you need to decrease your media diet, social and conventional, especially when you start your day. Because you know, sometimes I can start my day, I look on Facebook or Instagram, I go on various news sites online, as I'm making my coffee, I turn on a news channel or listen to NFL Network, you know, and, and, and but for a few days, I mean, nothing to brag about. You know, I've been listening to podcasts and worship music. I mean, why have social media set the tone for your day? Why have the negativity? Why invite the lion into your world as you start your day? And see the negativity and hatred in our world. Well, why not start your day? And that, that's one of mine. And my kids can bust me on it because I, I do it. I turn on, I turn on news. I turn on, I mean, how long, many times can I hear them talk about various football teams, right? Hey, that's, but I've listened to some podcasts and some sermons and, wow, or worship music or praying. It's pretty awesome. Um, this year can be different. And, and finally, you know, perfectly uh, set some relational goals. Like, how, how can you deepen relationships that you have? Um, maybe your relationship, relational goal needs to be, you know what, I'm going to set aside, especially you know, moms and dads, I, and it's always, when you're, when you're a dad preaching this stuff and you have kids in the service, you know, it's kind of scary. You know? um, but set aside regular specific times to spend with your spouse and to spend with each kid individually. Maybe that would be a good relational goal. Uh, maybe a relational goal for you would be to join a life group. <laughs> there it comes again. It's everywhere, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit's trying to talk to you. Maybe your goal is just, hey, find a best friend. Yeah, yeah your dog's awesome. I know it. But, you know, you, know, you need someone that can speak some truth into your life too. Yeah, maybe a relational goal for you would be to find some other guys or other ladies who are, are, are wanting to pursue God and you, you want to join them in this journey of chasing after God. Uh, maybe you just have some people over to your house for a meal. Maybe you get to meet a few of your neighbors or coworkers or church members. Maybe you just decide that, that you're going to love where you are in 2019. Wherever you are, whoever you're around, you're going to do your best to, to love them. You know, and, and as Chris shared last week, you know, that when they leave their time with you, they feel better about themselves. That'd be a pretty good relational goal. So again, I just want to encourage you to spend some time this week, right? That little piece of paper, you know, you know, the Holy Spirit can use this. And I'll tell you what, if this year, you know, this year can be different if you grow like Jesus, right? And you will grow like Jesus. And you don't have to set 100 goals, maybe one, maybe two, don't do a whole lot. But you will grow like Jesus if you grow intellectually, if you grow spiritually, if you grow physically, and if you grow relationally. And, and what happens to a church when everybody in the church begins to grow a little bit more like Jesus? I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty cool. I think it's going to be pretty amazing.
Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this time. And God, I just pray that you be with us. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will motivate us. God, each of us, Lord, there's, you want us to grow like Jesus. That's the truth. It's in your word. Holy Spirit, convict us to spend time with you and help us to shut up and listen to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen.